0: It's interesting, yesterday after church service, a lady called us, not a member of our church called us, and the husband left the house with a gun, talking about he was going to do something crazy. And God allowed me to pick up the phone, call the husband, calm him down, told him to go eat some ice cream and watch a movie, then go back home and repent to your family. And got a call back that night that everything was back at peace.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I am Byron Tyler, recently had the privilege of sitting down with Sheila Floyd. We talked about prison ministry. We had a wonderful program with Brenda McGowan. Sheila, good to have you back in the studio. Great to be back. Because when we were talking, I said, you know, there's such energy here and there's some really good insight, not just as it relates to how the Pursuit of God Transformation Center where you and your husband pastor not just how there was a real dynamic of ministry taking place, but your insight into hurting people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, we need to talk about this. Folks hurt today in all kinds of ways. Sometimes that hurt and pain that might have happened as a child goes through and gets carried into their marriages. Mm -hmm. Today we brought Bishop Ricky Floyd to talk about hurting and healing marriages which is something that God has really placed on both of your hearts. Mm-hmm. Pastor Ricky, good to see you. What a great privilege and opportunity to be here with you today. I'm humbled and grateful at the same time. Every time we get together, it's just smiles and great fellowship. Right. How long have you two been married? We are at the 24 and a half year mark of marriage, amen. You had a picture on your cell phone just now. It was of your wedding day. Yeah. And it was a picture of what, Sheila, you had on the wall at the house? Yes. And you decided to snap a cell phone picture yeah, I, of Yeah,
0: I was walking out and, and saw that picture, and I said, man, let me take a picture
1: of this beautiful woman and this used-to-be-slim man. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? You know, I look back at some of those early days, 34 years this May for my wife and I. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I mean, she's put up with a lot, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I look back at those early days. I'm going, we just, we're kids, and I was so skinny. I can't wear those pants anymore. <laughs> But when I talk about baggage, talk about hurt and pain, talk about bringing that into a relationship, Sheila, you were abused. Was that prior to being married or was that in the relationship that you're in with Ricky?
2: It was prior to marriage. It was actually from my childhood. Didn't happen often. It did have an impact on my life.
1: Mm-hmm. And when I referred to that about in relationship with Ricky, because sometimes pastors and pastor's wives can have conflict, you know, Mm -hmm. and abuse can take on many forms, not just physical abuse. Sometimes you can be so busy in the ministry, you don't have time for your wife because you're busy doing the Lord's work and helping others. So true.
0: And and I want to add that, yes, she was abused by me in the earlier part of our relationship. And that was physically abused. Mental abuse, verbal abuse. Bible says our people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I was just ignorant. I didn't know what to do. Didn't know what I was doing. I was just ignorant of 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 Satan's devices. You know, many times we think the fact that we fall in love that that's the only thing that we need to get married. And we found out, you know, I loved her, but I was ignorant. I had no wisdom, no knowledge, no mentors, no responsibility. All I knew was to say I do, and I really didn't know what. <laughs> to do what I was saying I do too. So I went to jail early in our marriage for domestic violence. And the interesting thing is before marrying my wife, I had never put my hands on a woman. I was the kind of guy that was very aggressive toward men who would would put their hand on women. And I I would talk down and bad about men. And then here I find myself in the Collierville Jail for Domestic Violence. And And that was a a moment for me.
1: Did you witness as a child a family member abusing a lady or woman in your family? (laughs) Well, it was quite the opposite
0: in my house. My mother was more of the aggressor than my father. I had a stepfather who was a very introverted, low-key guy. And if anything, my mother was probably more of the one who provoked physical altercations. And, you know, I thank God. She's a part of my ministry now. And she has later apologized to my father for what she did. And like you talked about Sheila and what she did to him was because of the fears and insecurities, the rejection issues, the abandonment issues, that I'm not going to let anybody have authority or control over me again, is which provoked her what she said, to be abusive to the only person that was really loving her at that time and who had been faithful and consistent in her
1: life. Sheila, what was it about Ricky the very first time you saw him that you said, I might let him get to know me a little bit?
2: (laughs) Well, let me say this. He is younger than I am, but he hid that from me. But he was so mature. He was very chivalrous. Very charming, and uh, met me in San Diego, and he he brought that southern charm <laughs> to San Diego, California. and I was intrigued by it. He was very was very funny because he's a very sanguinistic personality, and very boisterous, and when I met him, he was very quiet and mild, and I'm like, "Oh okay, so he tricked me <laughs> but now i'm I'm more like him
1: kind of interesting my wife would probably testify to the same thing he tricked me you know, <laughs> <laughs> because you know you put that best foot forward don't right. you pastor when you enter in those relationships and then time goes by weeks turn into months months yeah. into a couple of years and pressures and things happen you start getting squeezed a little bit and so what's on the inside comes out you can't cover it up anymore
2: I like to say it like this, that I'm sure you're familiar with the five love languages. Oh, yeah. In the beginning of a relationship, particularly with men, you come in with all five of them because you're on the hunt. (laughs) You know, you're pulling out everything. And so once you get together, you're married, you start to back off. You start to discover which ones were more important. And you may start focusing on those or you focus on the ones that were more important to you. So as time goes by, you back off, you may... Start at five, then four, then three, then two, then you might get one. Hmm. Or you might get the one that's most important to you. So in essence, you end up going apart because sometimes you don't understand you're operating in those five love languages. Hmm. But when you discover what they really are and how they work, now you can use what you were using in the beginning. You can use it on purpose instead of just happenstance, you know, in the beginning. You may not have known that, yeah, but now you know it, and you're using it on purpose.
1: So you were in San Diego, mm-hmm. and you met Sheila. I met Sheila. Where were you? What was the circumstances? This is really sad. <laughs> we were both members of the same
0: church, Bayview Baptist, in San Diego, California. But we met at Smokey's nightclub. <laughs> that's that's really bad. Smokey's where it happened,
1: huh?
0: <laughs> and we tell our members all the time that does not mean go to the nightclub and find your mate. That means go to both services at your church. <laughs> yes, go we to, went to, to the early, go to the early service and go to the late service because your your spouse could be at church. And so, yeah, that's when we met. I thought it was love at first sight. I discovered later it was lust at first sight. <laughs> you know, you talked earlier about how things shift and change. And I, I believe what happens is many of us, we have our braces on when we're dating. And when we get married, we take those braces off. And the, our spouse sees the handicap, the cripple part of us. Yes. And then the decision has to ma- be made. And, and I say this all the time. I believe that every relationship Every spouse, there's a doctor in your spouse for you. And so when the cripple is discovered, that does not give you a reason to run. It shows you what healing process you have to use to take your spouse through. And so you have to discover the doctor in you and acknowledge and celebrate the doctor and your spouse to cause healing to take place. And that's what my wife has truly, I can truly say, that's what she's done to me. She has been my doctor, and I tell people a lot of time, a good wife is like the Holy Spirit. She's an intercessor. She's an advocate. She's a guide. She's a voice. And that's what my wife has done to me. She's been like the Holy Spirit. She's helped heal me. She's helped strengthen me. She's shown me the mercy of God. And I say all the time, I post all the time, every preacher needs a wife like Sheila
1: Floyd. And I sincerely <laughs> mean that. So Sheila, how much abuse did you take before you went to jail? Okay.
2: Oh, boy, you know, 25 years later, you just kind of forget. But it was a couple of years, and and I would say that a lot of it was just Mm -hmm. fear-based. We were young. We were struggling. So it was just probably about a couple of years. Now, he tells people all the time, he said, don't you feel sorry for her? Because it's not like I beat her up. We were fighting. So I was in there. (laughs) (laughs) South
0: side of Chicago and Oakland, (laughs) California combined. So she wasn't just sitting over there taking a (laughs) whip her daddy taught her better
2: (laughs) (laughs) but we went through that process and the beautiful thing is in the midst of that process while we were going through the craziness we began to remember that when we met he asked a question of me while sitting there reading poetry now he asked this question, or he made this statement, he said, you know what, I feel like if we were to get married, we'd probably be marriage counselors. And I thought about it and looked over my life, and you know, like him, people would always kind of flock to me and share their stories or come to me for some wisdom, and I thought, you know, you're probably right. So we began to remember that in the midst of the drama as well as, even through it, you know, we had picked up some information on marriage, discovered like marriage tapes and things of that nature, we began to start listening to those things. And so we went back to what was spoken before we got married Mm -hmm. and said, because we had said now if we get married, both of us grew up in tumultuous situations. So we knew we didn't want divorce, but we knew we could not stay in the marriage in the way that it was. So we ended up saying, well, since we're not going to divorce each other, divorce is not an option, then being unhappily married should now be not an option.
1: You know, pastor, so many can't come to that conclusion because they go ahead and just jump ship. Right. And it doesn't even have to be an abusive situation. It can just be lack of communication. Mild
0: disagreements. Right. Mm -hmm. I think what happened was we just had a commitment to family. Even when we weren't committed to each other, we had a commitment to family and to God.
1: Now, were you pastoring this time too? No, 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 no. no. No.
0: I, I was not pastoring but we were quote saved we were in the church and we did stuff like work with the youth and and things like that but we were not pastoring at that particular time but that still does not give us an excuse
1: no i totally understand yeah
0: i think one of the biggest problems that we see is we didn't really have to go through that but we did like most christians do is we were hiding and i think too many christians choose hiding over healing they're wearing this mask this disguise like everything is okay Instead of getting with somebody saying, hey, I need help, man, I don't know. See, I got married on June the 19th. I woke up the next morning on Father's Day. And I was a father because I tell everybody I got a combo package. I got a wife and a son. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a father and a husband, and I didn't have a clue on how to be either one of them. And so I think too many times, one of my statements that I made is too many of us are tormented because we don't have mentors. And I tell women now, do not marry a man who's not submitted to another man. And so we need to submit ourselves to other men of wisdom, counsel, I ask a lady when she tells me she's marry a married man, who can you go tell it on him if he <laughs> messes up that's gonna be able to have a voice of influence over him? Yeah. And so I was submitted to a man, but I really didn't trust the man who I was submitted enough to to show him my scars. To show him my dysfunction, to show him my mistakes, I felt like I had to have this image that I had to keep promoting that I'm okay, and I was not okay. I was tormenting my wife and my my
1: children with my ignorance. Hmm. And even though our spouses probably know most of the weaknesses and the, the things that we fear. And maybe not all of it, but so much of it, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to bring it out and and try to to work through those issues. Uh, Let me tell you this I was married 14
0: years to my wife before I revealed to her some of the tragic occurrences that had happened to me as a child. So I'm expecting her to heal me, to help me, to be a part of my team. And I have not revealed to her all my weaknesses. I have not revealed to her all of my dysfunction. I have not told her that if you touch that area, I'm sore right there, and I'm going to respond quick in rage if you touch that spot right there. And we do a disservice. You know, we were sitting in council with a couple one time. The wife was very tense, very mean. The Spirit led me to ask her, have you told your husband what happened to you at the age of seven? And all of a sudden, this strong, mean woman, a tear fell down her cheek. I asked her again, have you told your husband what happened to you at the age of seven? And she just shook her head saying no, and the tears continued to flow. Now what happened in that room from that moment, he went from being tense, wanting to leave, to his protector rose up. And he saw his mean, tough, unloving wife, he saw her as the wounded seven-year-old child that she was. So now he's left fighting her. Now his manhood, his father, his husband, drops all the defensive that, that he has, and now he wants to heal his wife. And I think many times because we don't expose ourselves, we don't uncover ourselves, we don't get naked to the person that we married to, we miss giving them an opportunity to have mercy, to have patience, to understand, to give us grace, because they think we just mean... But they don't know that we're wounded and we're protecting some scars that you're
1: close to knocking off again. Pastor, do you think that possibly if you were that vulnerable yeah. and open that she wouldn't love you? She wouldn't love
0: me. She wouldn't respect me. She'd use my dysfunctions against me to win the verbal wars that we have. Absolutely. But when I shared them with her, she understood. Now I see why are you are that way. And so she developed a little more patience for me. She would begin to identify, baby, I'm your future, I'm not your past. She showed me in particular occurrences, the love that I wished I would have had as little Ricky. She gave it to big Ricky.
1: Sheila, Uh you had to love this man through the thick and the thin. You had to Mm -hmm. be dedicated to him to endure and to be able to take that next road.
2: Well, my mother, had been married multiple times. So I was just that person. You know, I've never been a quitter. at Nothing. So when I got into this, I said, well, God, I'm going to prove your word. If your word is true, then I'm going to prove your word. So when things would go wrong... You know how sometimes we would look at ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? I would go and say, okay, God, where am I missing you? I need your help. And there were some things that we often tease and say, Mr. Always Right, (laughs) Mary, Mrs. Always Right. So, you know, we had those kind of, you know, battles. But I went to God and he showed me where I was wrong in some areas. I'm like, oh, my God. I began to really seek the word that if love covers a multitude of sin, then am I fully walking in love? Am I walking in patience? Am am I walking in fear? It was so funny because when he told me this at 14 years, I said, you thought I was going to leave? Where was I going to go? Have you seen all these big head kids we have? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, go anywhere. But it was very painful to me because I was thinking to myself, why didn't you trust me enough to share that with me? I mean, I didn't marry your past. But again, I think he got free when he let go. Yeah. I was always that committed. Right. But when he yeah. began to reveal things that he had kept, right. it caused him to open up yeah. and to be freer. And he was more patient yes. after he let go.
1: Right.
2: Because so, that's how forgiveness works. You you free yourself.
1: Right. Well, you know, Ricky a moment ago talked about mentors and, and the importance. He didn't have any mentors what about you did you have mentors in your life
2: i did not have mentors in my life as a matter of fact i was one of those people that was i'm not gonna let a man treat me like that because i'd seen my mother be abused and my mother was abused or like severely abused so i kind of had this attitude of nobody's gonna treat me like that but again all of that was before salvation i didn't grow up saved matter of fact i really didn't get saved until we got married but once we got married, we got right into, you know, learning about the things of God. So when it was time for, you know, when we went through these things, it was just really the love of God that was operating in us because we were seeking him. We didn't have the opportunity to have the counsel that we give people. It just wasn't around us. Nobody talked about marriage counseling. Our marriage counseling was the pastor and his wife sitting there, giving us some basic things like if you don't know how to cook, get you a cookbook. She your body is not your own. Yet. She hasn't got that book <laughs> Yeah, yet that's either. not my thing. It's
0: uh, <laughs> not my thing. She didn't listen to the pastor.
2: <laughs> and then um, – also, with him, if you want to go play basketball, take your wife with you, you're married now. So we didn't have any real communication skills as it related to husband and wife and right. right? how we sh- we should relate. And I didn't see it in my home. Right. I didn't see it in my grandmother's home. I didn't see it in my aunt's home. I just didn't see it. Now, people, that they stay, stayed together, saw a lot of that, but I saw a lot of people staying together and they were unhappily
1: married. Like you said, why be together if you're going to be unhappy? Pastor, you and Sheila both have a ministry to deal with people's unhappiness and try to keep them together.
0: We are very passionate about it. And we tell people all the time, one of my favorite scriptures is, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. The very hail and torment that we went through in marriage has really prepared us to be very effective in marriage right now. It's interesting, yesterday, after church service, a lady called us, not a member of our church called us, and husband left the house with a gun, talking about he was going to do something crazy. And God allowed me to pick up the phone, call the husband, calm him down, told him to go eat some ice cream and watch a movie, then go back home and repent to your family. And got a call back that night that everything was back at peace. But now one of the reasons that we're able to do that, I tell people all the time, my wife, you need to get, when you talk about mentors, I said, if you get any time in the presence of my wife, she is anointed at converting a fool into a king. (laughs) Because I was one. And we tell people all the time, we went through hell so many times in our marriage, that we know all of the exit doors and the shortcuts out. <laughs> we know all the shortcuts out because we've been there. And we've done that. When we sit down with people, we say, there's nothing you're going to tell us that's going to shock us. There's nothing that you're going to tell us that's going to make us go, ah, because if we had not personally gone through it, we've already ministered to somebody else. So there's a comfort in people that they're not going to be rejected. Right. They feel like they can get unclosed. We're very transparent. You know, mm-hmm. early in the game, people used to tell us, When we talk about marriage, y'all tell too much. Y'all are too transparent. And this is what God told us, if you don't tell the testimonies, I'm going to allow you to go through some new test. <laughs> so, so you can tell those testimonies. So we thank God that we can tell the old testimonies yeah. that we don't have any new ones to tell. Now. Oh, my.
1: Yeah. Now, Sheila, when you spend time with other couples together, you and Ricky, is it in a classroom setting or is it a one-on-one counseling, a variety? How do you do the marriage ministry? All of that.
2: We sponsor, we host a um, School of Marriage Enhancement, which is... A open forum setting every month, and we do it at our church, and we invite people from all around. We invite married, single, separated, divorced. We say, if you never want to see the opposite sex again, we still invite you to come to this (laughs) class, because we found out that if we can give you some information, just something to do different in your marriage, it's going to provoke a different response from your mate. And so we do this, we do it in an open forum, because usually one spouse feels that the other spouse needs counsel, but they don't. So we were very funny. We tell our stories. We're laughing during them. We help them to feel comfortable. That's really what we do. So even before we meet people, couples individually, we say go through this process because if you come to this open forum, it's going to break the ice. They're going to be able to see who we are. They're going to be able to get comfortable with us. So sometimes both of us with the couple, sometimes he's with the husband, I'm with the wife, and we'll bring it all together. So in every setting, sometimes we just go out to eat with them Mm -hmm. and just be very casual and open and sharing. And so it, it just provides an opportunity for them to feel comfortable and feel like they can trust us. And many times they leave in tears. And
0: our average first marriage counseling sessions that we do with a couple, our average first session is about three hours. Because we've discovered, preferably two, <laughs> preferably two, <laughs> as long as six. <laughs> but we'll we put go that on the air. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be expecting a six-hour package. Here's what we've discovered: ninety-two percent of the things that married couples argue about really have nothing to do with their spouses. They have to do with the things that happen to them before the age of twelve. And what's happening is their spouse is triggering the fears of their rejection, their molestation, their incest, their verbal abuse, their physical abuse, their emotional abuse, their rejection, their abandonment issues, that they're actually triggering those things. So many times when a person think, man, this wasn't that serious. Why is she acting like that? All I did was this. Well, that's all you did. But what you did was when you did that, you triggered 30 years of fears so you're getting 30 years <laughs> worth of aggressive response. It's like a dump truck. Load. It's a dump truck. She's yeah. unloading on you yeah. because you did it. My ex-boyfriend did it. My baby daddy did it. My daddy did it. My granddaddy did it. So I'm going to slap you for everybody. <laughs> did everything wrong that looks like what you just did to me today. And that's unfair to that particular person that you're punishing me for stuff that you have not even let me know that you're dealing with.
1: You guys have a happy marriage now? Oh
0: my God. (laughs) I never believed, even when I got married, I never believed that a relationship could be what it is with a person like it is right now. And I told my wife at the 20 year mark, I told her, I said, you won. She said, what are you talking about? I said, the first 20 years you were a better wife than I was husband. But I'm going to take the trophy from you these <laughs> next 20 years. And she won't let it go. She's trying to hold on to our champion. So
1: we, Wait, you know. See, isn't, isn't that kind of cool that yeah, you're trying to outdo each that's other? It? That's it, in that. a yeah. good way. In a good way. See,
0: we used to try to outdo each other. I'm right, you're right. Now we try to outdo I'm righteous and loving and merciful and serving. I'm righteous, loving, merciful, and serving. And man, like, oh my God, she's, oh Jesus, you talk.
2: (laughs) Now, I just want to say that it's worth it to invest in wise counsel concerning your marriage because all of our mentors were not always good mentors. Even those that they would say, well, my mom and daddy never fought, but you never saw them kiss, you never saw them hold hands. Mm -hmm. You know, they were a good provider. Yeah, but Mama was miserable. She was bored to tears, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And so we try to live our marriage outwardly. We have adult children there, and it's just so funny. But we mirror it before them, fun, excitement, energy. They've seen some ugly days as well, Sure. but it shows them that mom, dad's not fake. No, I know, you know, back when they used to get into it, but they're real quick to repent. They come together, and when the children were younger, we would even have family meetings about things because we felt it was unfair for the children to grow up, things be tense in the house, and then we not share with them what's going on, which is what affected us as children. Mm -hmm. Things going on in the house, and they just think, well, you're young, you don't know, but now you're being affected, and you're having issues that you can't even explain why you have issues growing up.
1: I think one of the key things that you said earlier in our conversation was the fact that you had no idea on how to do this marriage thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. But as you got into God's word, as you fell more in love with Jesus first, it changed the way you saw each other. He gave you new eyes, you know. And so the design, the original design, God's plan for marriage, you said it's to be joyful. It's to have yeah. fun. It's to have an intimate passionate relation toward one another. And it's a good thing. And it's God's design. And so many people are living on the non-benefit because of, like you said, carrying baggage into marriage, bad relationships that have molded their thinking and their groove on how they relate to their spouse now. But it can change. It can change. I'll tell you what, we're going to have to have you guys come back from time to time and talk about issues of marriage and relationships. I had a great time with you today. Thank you so much we for love taking it. Thank the time. And listen, if folks want information, if there's somebody out there really struggling right now in their relationship, their spouse, and they need help. Uh, Can they call up about a class, about joining you on something from the church? I mean, is there a number to call, a website? What should they do?
0: Yeah, we'll give that. I want to make this statement real quick. Your family should be God's greatest evangelistic tool. Your family should be God's greatest evangelistic tool. You can go to YouTube and type in School of Marriage Enhancement and see some of our videos on marriage. You can contact us at thepursuitofgod.org. That's our Facebook page Or the pursuit website. website.
2: Well, the Pursuit of God Church Memphis is our Facebook page. However, that's the church's Facebook page. We're considering doing a separate Facebook page for the School of Marriage Enhancement, and we host this at our church in the Fraser Community every fourth Saturday at five p.m.
1: And the church is located where again in Fraser?
0: 3171 Signal in Fraser. If you'd like to call, the number is 901-353-5772, 901-353-5772. But we also have an uptown location that we do a 930 service. That's 114 Henry Street and a South Haven location, 777 State Line Road at 8 a.m. service.
1: Sheila, Ricky, Floyd, God bless you. Thank you so much for stopping by and being my guest today. Bless you. Thank you so much. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.